Thank you. Uh, the, the youth group are dismissed, 6th through 12th, uh, making their way out. Um, awesome thing to see. Excuse me. <coughs> I, I didn't cough all week, honestly. So, uh, Lord, touch, touch my cough. <clears throat> Help me get through the service. Thank you for it. Hey, before we dive into uh, what God uh, has, has in my heart to, to share, um, <clears throat> I'm going to uh, just spend a minute. You know, we usually talk about, we try to do the big reveal for Pallets of Love uh, in, at the end of January and just reflect back on the year and, and uh, celebrate. And today uh, we're going to do that. Uh, we're a few Sundays past that, and it's just because I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of things have been happening, but uh, I'm excited about it. And I just want to quickly remind people what Pallets of Love is. It, it was uh, in the year 2016, a pastor friend of mine uh, called and asked if we wanted a truckload of Chobani yogurt. Some of you were here for that. And, uh, you know, and, and I answered in about two seconds, yes. And we weren't sure what, you know, I think there were 65 pallets of Chobani yogurt Dropped off in front of the church on a Saturday. We covered it up. It was in the wintertime. We covered it up. And uh, after we covered it up, we had somebody spend the night out there. And we weren't sure what was going to happen, you know. And, and we had big lights on it. And it was a big thing. And it is. And, and then that Sunday morning after service, we gave away all the yogurt. And, and uh, you know, from there, it just has turned into what it is now. And in a few years later, we recognized the fact that that pallets of love. We, we had a semi-truck at one time and, you know, found out the ins and outs with that and we were able to sell it and make a profit and put that back into the pallets of love ministry. So, you know, through all this, we, we were praying and we figured out that it might be a good idea to make pallets of love its own non-profit. So pallets of love became a non-profit, but a ministry of the bridge church. Okay. And so in that non-profit, we were, we decided to do that one of the main reasons was is we could seek grants. You know, it's hard to seek grants to help fund. By the way, all the loads are always free, always free, but we have to pay for the transportation, okay? Uh, and that can vary from anywhere from 500 to 1,000, depending where it's coming from. So each load you see, food's free, but we paid to get it here. Um, and so we decided that if we were uh, a non, another nonprofit, that we would probably be able to find grants, that people would write grants. Uh, uh, most people don't want to write a grant to a church. They have to put the church's name on it if Pallets of Love, if we had the money, you know, under, uh, under the church. So we made a nonprofit with the idea, hopefully, that people would give grants and donate so we could continue to bless people. Pallets of Love is not a food bank. We are a massive food giveaway. We get it. We give it. Okay? Uh, and that's why, you know, with stuff that's perishable, we have to put it out in the parking lot and give it away right away. That's why there's weird hours that we do it. We don't do that to inconvenience you. We, we do it because of the nature of what it is. So with that being said, uh, the big reveal today, before I do that, in the process of us resigning, uh, one of the questions was, is do we dissolve the nonprofit Pallets of Love and just bring it back under the umbrella of the church and, and that aspect? And everybody was like, no, no, no. And I was like, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> okay, so with that being said, Pallets of Love uh, is... Lord willing, is planning on carrying on and moving forward. So I had to resign from the board of Pallets of Love. And, and I'm going to introduce uh, quickly the Pallets of Love. I'm going to call their name and have them come down so you see who they are. Hal Tobin is now, if you would come, Hal Tobin is, is now the president of the nonprofit. We have uh, Janice Barth, if she would come, please. She's, uh, she is the new treasurer. We have Amy Weary, who's uh, the secretary. And we have Leanne Layton. Leanne? Leanne? There she is. We have Leanne Layton. <laughs> I'm going to pray over them in just a minute. But uh, before, I'm going to make them stand there just because, <laughs> just because I can. Would you guys please be willing to stand there for a few minutes? 
All right, so <clears throat> with that being said, you have to understand the big reveal this year. Uh, we're going to share with you, Palettes of Love has gone on. Is The Lord has, has graciously used me to expand Palettes of Love. And many of you don't know, outside the realm of what we do here, the Lord uh, just, I was just so excited. Like, we get calls all the time. We can't take everything. And I'm like, this is just too good to, to keep in and of ourselves. And so I just began to call. I, I, I contacted River City Church, a great church in Boise, and they now do it. They're all on their own. I, they don't have to go through me and praise the Lord because that was a lot of work. And, <laughs> and so they're now connected, and we've, had, we've helped churches in, in Twin Falls, Pocatello, uh, Salt Lake City area, missions, uh, just kind of the Lord has just used us, used pallets of love. So we've gone beyond and I shared this last year. So I'm going to share with you the number of what happened outside of our community. And then I'm going to share the number of what we did right here in Idaho Falls, the Bridge Church. And then I'm going to give you the grand total. Okay, so outside, the way the Lord used pallets of love, uh, outside we helped other organizations. We gave, uh, they gave away 556 pallets which came to 809,200 pounds, okay? Yes. Now, for the church, we gave away 37 loads uh, last year, and I believe that's a little over three, uh, three and a, a little over three loads a month. It'd be nice if they came that way, but they don't. Many of you know, some months are, we don't have anything, and other months it's like, ugh. Crazy. So with that being said, we gave away, uh, the number is, we gave away last year assorted loads of, of milk, uh, potato chips, the food boxes, uh, the USDA food boxes, sanitation wipes, hand sanitizer, assorted candy, water, breakfast cereal, crackers, pasta, dressing, uh, protein powder shake mix, and some other things I don't really like to talk about uh, that was given for the ladies. End of story. <laughs> I'm surprised I said that much. <laughs> We're blessed. We're super, super blessed. Okay, so with that being said, 37 loads equaled 959 pallets, and then it came to 957,417 pounds. Right here. Now, the grand total... For, the, for last year, and by the way, the file for this year is already filling up, you know, and it's only January, or February. Grand total for the year, combined both, pallets of love, how the Lord used to, to help distribute food and, and bless people. And by the way, pallets of love blesses our community. We've heard stories just this week of how it's touched people's lives. People have been coming and talking to us. And pallets of love, their spiritual fruit, it makes a difference. May you guys keep it going strong. 1,515 pallets of food, which equals 1,618,297 pounds of food given away through pallets of love last year. just dropped, dropped to us like manna from above. The Lord has just blessed with this. I don't think anybody could have planned it. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Pilots of Love Ministry. I thank you for these that have stepped up uh, to serve on the board. God, I pray that the numbers would increase. I pray the volunteers, that more people would want to just get involved with that and just bless people. Be blessed themselves, Lord. And I pray that there would just be much much more spiritual fruit, Lord, uh, from this ministry as people just see us giving a cup of water in Jesus' name. No strings attached, just out of pure love. I thank you for the ministry, Lord. May you just continue to bless it and do great, greater things through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right, you guys can sit down now. <laughs> thank you.
We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 12 in just a few minutes if you want to open your devices up. And I'll just start by just reminding you that three weeks ago, we started a series with this question. And the question was, what is love? I showed a video that week of people uh, answering that question of what is love. And, and there was all kinds of different answers to the question on the video. And, and I also said that if we went around the room, there would be many different answers to the question in here, no doubt, right? What, what is love? And I also said that, that love, as we talked a little further that day, I said that love is never based on our feelings, Okay, yes, love is a big part, you know. Yes, you want to have, you know, feelings, but it's not just based on our feelings. It really should never even be based on our feelings as you grow uh, to get to know somebody. You know, if you've been married for 30 years, you know, right? You, you know, when we first met, yes, love was based on your feelings, right? You have puppy dog love, all that stuff, right? Oh, you know, I can't wait to talk on the phone for hours, all that stuff. When you get older, you're like, I'll be right home. <laughs> But, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's not, I understand there's a part of feelings to love, okay? I'm not trying to down that, downplay that, but, but you can't pin everything on love by your feelings. You can't excuse somebody from your life because you just don't feel like you love them, okay? That, that's the point of that. Love is, love is based on our actions. It is. It's based on our actions, We looked at a few Bible verses that describe how love is action and not always feelings. And I want to recap just two of those verses we looked at. There were many others, but the two main ones. It was John 15, verses 12 and 13, and Jesus speaking, and it says, My command is this. You know, if Jesus is Lord of your life and he says, My command is this, you probably should listen. All right? My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. That's love in action, people. That's the ultimate love in action. And then Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, which has really been one of the main verses that I've been focusing on as we go through this, because it really nails it. It says, be imitators. Speaking to to disciples of Jesus. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love. It doesn't say live a life when you feel like loving, right? It says live a life of love, just as Christ has loved, uh, loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Live a life of love. Imitate Jesus. You see, Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies, right? Jesus didn't say, he he didn't say, uh, you know, pray for people when you feel like it. If they've wronged you, you know, if they've wronged you, it's okay to have the feeling of hate and foster that and grow that in your life. No, Jesus said to pray for your enemies. You see, that's love in action, isn't it? How many of you find that just really easy to do? But that's what Jesus taught. Pray for your enemies, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, and much, much more. That is what it means to imitate Jesus, imitate his life. Read the four gospels, learn and see what Jesus did in his life. We're to imitate that. Jesus, I, I think if you just boil down the, you know, what, who Jesus is and what he is, Jesus is love in action. And the world needs love, and the world needs disciples of Jesus to be imitators of that even more and more and more. So love is clearly defined by putting the needs of others first, putting into action the example of what Jesus showed and did for us to be his imitators. I think that is very, very clear. So as I've been saying, and how timely it is of God to be in this series making the decision that we made. I didn't plan it. How timely is it? Because as I've been saying, this series is designed, is designed to shape this church, 
this fellowship into what God has called you to be in this community. And that place is a safe place. A safe place. A safe place is a place where love is clearly being put into action, right? It is. In fact, this is what the mission statement of the Bridge Church is. The Bridge Church, building bridges into the lives of people. You see what we did there? The Bridge Church, building bridges. You, you see what we did there when, when God gave us the vision? Are you guys awake? Building bridges into the lives of people with love and compassion as modeled by Jesus in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave love in action, people. The greatest love in action there is that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus came to reach people like you. We're going to talk more about this next week. Jesus came to reach people like you so you could go and reach people like you because you're imitating Jesus that is in you. Love and action. Love and action. It's a great thing, isn't it? It is. It's truly a great thing. Three weeks ago, we started this series by looking at what Moses wrote in the book of Numbers as he was uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit in chapter 35, just before the Israelites, if you remembered, entered the promised land. After spending 40 years in the desert, getting ready to enter the promised land, you know, the Lord is telling Moses, get the people ready, this is what they need to do. And in that, God described six, six cities that were to be established as places of refuge for someone to flee who had committed murder. And we looked at what that word means uh, three weeks ago. You can find that on Facebook or our YouTube channel. It said it, they created these places because it's a place where somebody could flee, a city of refuge, until everything had been sorted out. They needed to flee from the avenger of blood who had been murdered either intentionally or unintentionally in an accident. So they were to flee to one of these six prepared places and go there, right, until things could be sorted out. And we, we, I'm not going to try to dive in much deeper than that, but you can look at that if you weren't here. That, that's what we were saying. And I said, and I'm going to say it a few times today, that is really what the New Testament church is. A place for people to flee. Now, of course, we know that Joshua was the man of God that replaced Moses. Moses didn't cross the Jordan in the promised land. Moses, or Joshua did, and Joshua went in, conquered the land, and, and had those cities ready. And in that message, we saw that there were three, three very important actions that had to take place so they could do what God had called them to do. And I believe they are the same three actions that God is calling the Bridge Church to do as you continue to reach out into your community. Again, it is amazing the time that God had this, this series come forth as we're preparing to do what God has called us to do. And those actions are for you to be a prepared place, a place of protection, and a place for hope and change. Now, I hope and pray you have been challenged to become more prepared to meet people where they are to accept them, right? To accept them for who they are. You don't, you don't have to condone or accept sin, but you, you accept them and you pray and you, you know, like I said, you, you inspect fruit in people's lives and you pray for people. We talked about this last week. You let God be God, right? And you're not afraid to call out sin when the time is right. You build relationships, right, to accept them. We are to be a bridge builder to reach out and love on people. Let me ask you something. Is it easier to build a wall or is it easier to build a bridge? It's easier to build a wall, isn't it? Because bridges, all kinds of, of engineering and all kinds of different things, you know, to build it, to expand. Building bridges 
The bridge church to build bridges into people's lives means you have to have relationships. It means you have to be intentional. Right? You build relationships. You get to know people. You know where they may not be a believer. They may be. So you build relationships. You build bridges, not walls. I like to, I love demo. I like to kick walls down, don't I? It's the funnest part about construction. You kick walls down. Yes, it's easier to build them. And that's why a lot of churches have walls, because it's easier to build the walls. It's easier to, to build a wall and, and just say, hey, you know, it's us four and no more. It's easier to say, yeah, you can come in if, if you look and smell like us. Yeah, you can come in if you know the right handshake. It's a wall. It's not a safe place. It's easier to build walls, isn't it? It's easier to do that. It's easier to say, hey, you know, I, I'm not sure I want to let other people in my, my inner circle of believers. Is that what the Lord have us to do? Yes, it's harder to build bridges, you guys. But it's much more rewarding. Don't forget that. Please don't forget that. And I also hope and pray you, you have been challenged to be a place of protection. A place for protection. The person fleeing, as we looked in the scripture, they need to go where they won't be judged, where they can be protected while things are getting sorted out. You know, here for us, it needs to be a place of protection where people can come and deal with hurts, hang-ups, and habits, where they won't be judged. A place where we don't judge, where we are more focused on removing the planks from our own eye. Love and action. We also saw in that first message that a city of refuge was a place where, where a person fleeing would find a place to meet with God and be transformed, a place of hope and change that they sorted out their own life. And this morning, we're going to focus on the last part of this series. We've been looking at being prepared, at being a place of protection. This morning, we're going to focus on being a place of hope and change a place of safety, of refuge to meet with God and to be transformed. Let's pray. Father, I lift this time up to you. Once again, I pray. I know this is a big day in the, in the world, Lord. Uh, I just pray that people would just put aside where they're going, what they're eating, all those different things today, and let's just focus on you. Let's just focus, Lord, and allow you to speak to every one of us, Lord. To have your way in us. Use me, Lord. I pray that you would just keep this cough at bay. I pray, God, that you would help me to speak clearly as your spirit speaks through me. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So can I say this morning that change, spiritual change, being transformed, coming to know God, that change begins to take place when we lay it all down before God. You can't give him part of it. you got to lay it all down before God for hope and change in a person's life. I've seen people over the years just want to give him part of it. And I don't understand. It all happens when you lay it all down before God. And one of those places we can come and lay it all down is at an altar. Now, my first experience is what is uh, referred to as an altar call. Uh, I, I, we do altar calls here that may be a little different than you're used to, but that's how the Lord leads me. We do an altar call, an altar call, right? You, you come to a place where you, you know you, you need a Savior. My first experience at an altar was when uh, we were at Christian Faith Center in Nampa in the 90s. I think I was two years old. <laughs> in the 90s, and we were there in Napa, just living our life. My grandmother, grand, she was still alive, great woman of God. And she uh, invited us 
to come and see a, a play, a dramatic play at a church. And I, at the time, I grew up going to plays, and I love plays. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll go. You know, plus it's your grandma. How do you say no to your grandma? <laughs> so we met her there at the church, and we went, and uh, we, we pulled up into the church, and a lifestyle I was living at the time, you know, I finished my beer, got out of the car, threw it in the church parking lot, and went in the church. That's who I was when I went in. Something happened. I met Jesus. I went to an altar. There were tears. God just changed my life. I, I met a guy down at the altar, uh, altar worker. His name was Jay. You know, two J's make a right. I met Jay, and this, this older gentleman, he's gone on to be with the Lord, Jay Irwin. And he uh, just began to mentor me. I began to serve. I just fell in love with the church. God began to call me into ministry. I didn't know this is where it was heading. I, I don't know if I, I may have went the other way. <laughs> but God has a sense of humor, and many of you have heard this. The very church that I gave my heart to the very church God called me into like full-time maintenance and you know a janitor maintenance took care of the, all the grounds and did all that and the very same parking lot where I had thrown my beer can the Lord was using me to pick them up and I remember I, I can't believe people in the Lord be like now now uh -uh. pray for those people don't judge. Take the plank out of your eye. God is awesome. I tell you that because this is leading up to a question. I know many of you have heard that story. Uh, here's the exciting part about that. You don't have to hear it anymore. I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. It's how I deal with Sadness. So my question this morning is this. Is that the only time we come to an altar? Give your life to God and it's all good, right? Is that the only time? It's an incredible time, you know, and you may not have come to an altar. I don't know how, you, you know, you came to know the Lord. You know, an altar could be anywhere, honestly, but this is a place we dedicate. We're going to talk about that. You know, you, you, is that it? Is that, is that the big experience in your life? And it is a big experience. Don't downplay it. It's incredible. The most important is you kick off your, your life, right? Because you've come to an altar and you've, you've come to a place where you know you're a sinner and there's no hope for you, right? You're, you, you've come to that place and you've recognized you need a Savior, uh, right? And, and you want to repent and you want to ask Jesus into your heart kind of a big deal if, in light of eternity, right? The biggest decision you can make for your life. So it is big. But is that the only time we come to an altar? I can tell you that walking with God requires a continual sacrifice of laying it all down before him, a place of refuge, a place to meet with God at an altar where hope is found and change begins or continues, transformation, all those things take place. When you come to that altar for the first time and you accept Christ, your journey is just beginning because God's going to put his thumb on areas of your life and want you to deal with them. Okay? So let's look at that. This, this word, altar, when you hear this word, it comes from a Hebrew word, and it's pronounced mezbah. Mezbah, and it literally means the place of slaughter or sacrifice. So you hear that word in the future or through this message. You hear that word altar, think of a place of slaughter or sacrifice. Now, the New Testament church, we, we don't do that, right? Right? But it is a place of slaughter and sacrifice spiritually. And we're going to dive into that. 
When a sacrifice took place in the Old Testament on the altar, it was a sign that God was at work, uh, that, God, that people took God at his word and obeyed what they were called to do. I'm thankful as a pastor, as a priest, as a reverend, I'm so thankful that we don't still do blood sacrifices. I would be a little queasy. And why don't we do them? Because the sacrifice has been made once and for all through the perfect life of our Lord Jesus Christ. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future, so we don't need to do that anymore, right? But it is still a place of slaughter and sacrifice. You see, in the Old Testament, uh, they were ready to sacrifice it all. In a sense, they would, they would bring their sacrifices for various different reasons. And it was a messy place. Can you imagine? It was a bloody place. It was a place that transformation was to, to take place as God looked at the sacrifice and he would accept it for various different reasons why they brought it. They had to bring a sacrifice continually for the forgiveness of their sins. Not anymore with Jesus. A place where you might hear someone say, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. You know, an altar was also a place of celebration and joy. Right? When, when, when somebody, it was by their customer law, when somebody had a baby, they, a child, they would bring a sacrifice out of celebration. It also, when someone was healed, they were required to take a sacrifice to the Lord, a thankful sacrifice for healing, a time of joy and praise. Now, in the New Testament church, we no longer bring these physical sacrifices to an altar. Again, praise the Lord. Jesus paid the price, but we still come to an altar because we've set this place aside to meet with, with God. I understand you can meet with God anywhere, anytime, any place. He's omnipresent. I get it. But there's something about a place we set aside and we dedicate, and you can come for the Lord. You step out and you come before the Lord because you're going to meet him here. A place where, where we can bring our hurts, habits, hang-ups. We can lay them down before God. A place to celebrate what the Lord is doing in our life. A place to come and pray for healing, to pray for family. A place to meet with God. Now, we're, we're getting to our text. I, I believe we can learn a lot from Abram. Abraham, Abram. He's not Abraham yet, but he is. Abram, and he's here found in, uh, uh, when it, we can learn a lot from him when it comes to altars. I know we're in the New Testament church, but we can learn a lot from, from his life and the altars he built. You see, there were significant times in his life where God was requiring great faith and obedience from Abram. And each of those times, he went before God uh, to an altar. And this morning, we're going to look at three altars he built and why each altar represents a phase in his journey. And each of these altars represents a phase in our journey as well. So here we are. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 7. Hold your Bibles open if you have them. We're going to read further as we progress this morning. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired at Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. So just picture what's going on, right? God is calling these two families, all their possessions, everything they had. They loaded up the U-Haul trucks. They loaded everything up and they moved. 
Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Canaanites were in there, so this wasn't an empty land. There were people there, and they're watching the trucks move into the neighborhood. Don't forget that. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he, Abram, built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So here we see the call of Abram, the call to leave his home behind and follow the leading of God to leave his comfort zone. With this call came a promise that we just read. A promise to become a great nation with much blessing. And this is the first altar call, the altar of promise. The altar of promise. Here he is. He's standing in this foreign land with no doubt the, na the natives, if I've said. They're wondering why he is there and, and what he's up to, wouldn't you? You're not one of us. Who are you? And you've got this huge entourage, flocks and herds and two families, everything. They're coming into this, this, this place. And they've got to be going, what is going on? But see, Abram, he, he doesn't care what they think, what they might look like uh, to those around him. He humbles himself before the Lord. He takes, uh, he takes him, takes the Lord, takes him at his word, and he lays it all down in front of everyone. He stops, he lays everything down at an altar. His first altar was to acknowledge his call, his trust in the Lord for all to see. Can you imagine what that would have looked like as he did all this? But this is for us. You see, you have to understand, you and I, as born-again disciples, must also trust the Lord. God has given us his word. He has. He has given us his promise. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says his promise, he promises to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see, we, much like Abram, we should be willing to humble ourselves and come to an altar seeking his direction for our lives and thanking him for his promises he has already fulfilled. I've shared with you, and, and it's, it's exciting. I love it. It's just a great reminder. Uh, you know, I shared with you that years ago, just my heart was just broken for our, our two boys. They weren't following the Lord, and, uh, and I just was seeking the Lord in prayer. And one day somebody walked up to me in a service, and they had this scripture. It was Jeremiah 31. You, I'm, I'm not going to go there today, but they gave me a scripture, and they said, uh, and they didn't know anything about what I was praying. They just said, here, I'm going to give you this. I don't know. If it doesn't mean anything to you, forgive me. Throw it away. And I'd just been in so much grief and praying and just not feel like I was hearing anything from the Lord. And they gave me that, and I looked it up, and I just began to weep. I went down to an altar. I just, thank you, Jesus. Because in that, that passage was a, a verse, and it was about the, uh, our kids, and it said, they will return to their land, in a nutshell. It was a little deeper. And I can tell you right now today that one out of two have returned to the Lord and uh, the other one's going to happen. If he hears me today, it's going to happen, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Now, please understand the, the altar is... Here for, for more than a call, it, it is also a place to come and thank God for his promises. It's a place to proclaim not only to God, but to everyone you, that you believe and trust in his promises. I, I believe a lot of people are afraid to come to an altar when they feel the prompting of God because, oh, what will people think? And a lot of, a lot of people think, well, they think that, you know, that I'm just going through a terrible thing in my life and I need forgiveness. Maybe you are. Maybe you want to thank God. Maybe you want to do other things. Who cares what people think. <laughs> you meet with a living God. If you want to care what somebody thinks, think about what he cares about. See, you may feel that the Lord has forgotten you, but hang on. 
to the promises of God because they are yes and amen. If you don't know what the promises of God are, come to an altar and pray. Ask for direction. The second altar is, it's the altar of intimacy. Uh, look at Genesis chapter 12, 8. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ahi on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Uh, this guy just likes to build stuff. You see, I believe this is an altar of increased awareness of growth and intimacy with Abram. You see, I believe Abram was coming to know the Lord as more than just the God of all creation and power. Right? I, I believe he was really coming to know the Lord. He's really coming to trust. He was finding a more intimate awareness of God. I believe Abram's faith was not found in formulas and slogans. It was becoming very real, becoming very intimate. It was born out of a growing relationship on a personal level. And that's why he built an altar. He built a place set apart. He built it so he could just meet with God there to help him focus on what God was saying in an intimate setting. You see, that is what spending time with God at an altar does. I believe it. sometimes in a service we can sense God is calling us to respond to a message, to respond in worship, to come fo forward and call on his name just like Abram. And we must create the time and place for people to feel like they can do that. That's why I often try to do that as much as possible. Now, I've had many experiences with God around an altar. Many. I've shared many with you. I, I have been in an altar and come down and just wanted, I've been down here late at night, early in the morning, sometimes during the day. I, you know, I don't have to, but I'm coming to this place that has been set apart and dedicated because uh, it helps me just focus, you know, what God may want to say. And, you know, those times that I've met with God at an altar, uh, God has, he has uh, convicted, convicted me of sin in my life. He's given me direction. I've been healed of sickness. I, I had shoulder surgery quite a few years ago, and not too long ago, well, a few years ago now, my shoulder was starting to hurt in the same way, and I was just really depressed about it. I began to pray about it, and I was at an altar in Twin Falls at a minister's conference, and I went down, and I was seeking the Lord, and I felt something in my shoulder. It hasn't hurt since. You see, God meets you at an altar. I've been drawn deeper into my relationship with Jesus as well, which is probably the greatest thing of all. You see, an intimate walk with God will impact others around you. The closer you get to him, the more you'll impact others around you. The closer you get to him, the more you'll imitate him. You see, the Lord wants to work in and with and for and through people who desire more of God, and that's through you. Through you, intimate awareness, draw closer. And then the third altar, I notice the time, we're going to make it. The third altar is the altar of possession. Genesis chapter, uh, chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, the Lord is speaking. He says, go, he's speaking to Abram, go, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved, he moved his tents and, went, and he went to live near the great trees of, of Mamre. I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but you know what? I'm leaving. <laughs> let, me, let me just stop right here. I, gotta, I'm, I wanna have fun. Let me just stop right here. You know, as a pastor, one of the hardest things to do as a pastor is when God calls you to a scripture and you don't know how to pronounce some of the names. <laughs> let me tell you, I... I Google search, word pronunciation, and I try to make little notes, and I practice them, and Sunday morning comes, and I butcher them anyway. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> I don't care. I've done my best. So Mamra, 
Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. <laughs> it's going to be a fun, fun week next week. <laughs> you see, it's one thing, it's one thing to have a, a given promise like Abram has. And it's another to have a possessed, own it, possessed, not demon-possessed, own it, possessed promise. You see, this reminds me of a story I recently read. One stormy night, an elderly couple entered the lobby of a small hotel, and they asked for a room. The clerk said they were full, and they would probably find this to be true with all the hotels in town. But I can't send a fine couple like you out into the rain, would you be willing to sleep in my room? And the couple, they hesitated, but the clerk, he just kept insisting. So they said, okay, they took his room. The next morning, when the man paid his bill, he said, you're the kind of man who should be managing the best hotel in the United States. Someday I'll build you one. Of course, the clerk did what any of us would do. He smiled politely and said, yeah, okay, go. You're not. <laughs> right? That's nice of you. Thanks for the nice words. Think anything about it. A few years later, the clerk received a letter containing uh, an airplane ticket, uh, a letter with an airplane ticket. The letter invited him, the ma this clerk, uh, to visit New York City. When the clerk arrived, his host took him to the corner of 5th Avenue and 34th Street in New York City, where, where stood a big, huge, brand new, new building at the corner of 5th and 34th Street. That, explained the man, is the hotel I have built for you to manage. The man was William Waldorf Astro, and the hotel was the original Waldorf Astoria. True story. Now, how many of you think the clerk understood that it's one thing to have been given a promise and another to have a possessed promise? Can you imagine? Abram was given a promise that he would possess the land. And we know that he did. We know that it was, it was foretold that his ancestors would possess it. We get that. But it also happened in his lifetime because of the Bible says that his flocks and his herds and everything grew as well as his nephew's lot. And we know that uh, all this took place and they became so large that both of Abram and Lot's workmen, they began to argue, uh, argue and quarrel over where, you know, because of the land, because they stayed together. So the two men, Abram and Lot, decided to split up. And we know that Lot went towards Sodom and Gomorrah and Abram went the other way. The promises were being fulfilled. The hotel had been built. Promises was now a possession for Abram. He was seeing it take place. The Bridge Church has more than a promise to reach the lost. Did you know that? We have more than a promise. God has given us, given you a possession. He has given you your land. It has been prophesied that this church, way before we came, that this church would be a place of healing for many, a hospital for the soul. And I believe it's happening as we speak. I believe there's more to come. The hotel has been built. As the worship team comes forward, let me ask some questions of each of you as you prepare your hearts to receive what the Lord has for you this morning. Here they are. Who will maintain this altar that we dedicated to the Lord years ago? 
and that we're going to rededicate today. Who, who will maintain this altar? A safe place. Who will allow it to be a bridge and not a wall? Where lives, where lives can be transformed and changed into the image of Jesus. Love and action. Who will maintain this altar and allow all the messiness of life to be spilled out as you and others come and lay it all down before God? Who? Love and action. Life is messy and God is good. We need a place to lay it all down. The altar is a place where your life and many other lives can be transformed. Yes, transformed at an altar call. Yes, 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 yes. But the journey only begins there. It continues to be transformed. It's called sanctification. As God works in our lives. And we meet with him. You see, love in action, love, love in action provides, desires people to come and find such a place, Bridge Church. And I pray with all my heart, mind, and soul that that would never, never change. Would you please stand with me? I've asked the worship team to sing, come to the altar. I'm going to come back and pray. As they begin to sing this song, if you feel like you have something you want to lay down before the Lord this morning, maybe you want to come down and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to come down and lay something down. Maybe you want to come down and just thank the Lord. Maybe you just want to come down and worship. I want to invite you to do that. And if you don't come down, I'm not trying to manipulate. You're fine, okay? Let's just have a time for a few minutes, and I'm going to come back and close in prayer.